The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. You people, you know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. CW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Hello and welcome to Nitro Nights, a WCW Look Back podcast here on the SJP World Media Network. My name is Sai, and joining me as always is the wrestling encyclopedia himself, the man with all the knowledge, the clued up wonder kid himself, Scottish Danny. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing really well, thank you, mate. How's yourself? Pretty good, bud. Pretty good. Looking forward to getting into this episode of Nitro with you. And it's the go-home show, isn't it, before the 1996 Great American Bash? It really is, mate. And the big question is, what will be Scott Hall's surprise? Wow. Yes. Interesting. We will find out shortly. We will find out shortly. The Nitro we are referring to first aired on Monday night, the 10th of June, 1996. And the ratings for that particular evening, surprisingly to me, actually, was a very narrow win for Monday Night Raw. Raw got a 2.7, whereas Nitro received a 2.6. So very, very close, but a surprise to me that Raw won the night when you consider how strong Nitro did in the ratings last week and how Scott Hall said he was going to arrive on this show with a big surprise this week, Danny. Wow. That is, that's absolutely flawed me, mate, because it's like they gave you a massive hook, but I wonder why. Mm, Interesting. I mean, with regards to Monday night raw on this particular evening in June of 96, the, the show effectively was full of King of the Ring qualifying matches. We had Mark Miro defeating Skip from the Body Donners. Owen Hart defeated Yokozuna in a King of the Ring qualifying match as well. But the main event, which maybe could have had a draw to it for certain fans, uh, we had the British Bulldog, who was accompanied by Jim Cornette and Owen Hart. And he was taking on, the, I mean, he actually beat The Undertaker, but he was taking on The Undertaker in the main event of the show. You also had appearances by The Ultimate Warrior, Jerry Lawler, Goldust, and a bit more from Jim Cornette as well. So, uh, I mean, I suppose the main event could have potentially been a bit of a pull. The Bulldog in 96 against The Undertaker, that could have been quite interesting. 
it's very interesting how Vince McMahon's counter um, counter programming against WCW because he knows what WCW is going to bring next week. So he puts a unique match on like that. I mean, you wouldn't think the British Bulldog versus Undertaker ever happened. No, no, maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, it ended in a in a kind type victory for the Bulldog. So, but ah. I mean, it's it's a very narrow win, though. I suppose um, the numbers, I guess, are still hovering around that five five point five mark in total for the ratings we're seeing a slight increase from where we were in 95 when we first started this project the the ratings were uh, overall the combined ratings for raw and nitro they were a smidge lower than what we're looking at now so we've seen a slight raise in the overall you know pe- amount of people watching wrestling uh, across both channels the back and forth is, is is quite intriguing, and uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I think monitoring what we have with regards to the ratings going forward, and also with regards to maybe what happens on Raw on those corresponding nights. Yeah, definitely, mate. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this episode of Nitro begins with a recap of the previous week's episode and Scott Hall and Sting having a little bit of a face off, which we both really enjoyed, Danny, didn't we? Yeah, that was definitely the highlight of the show. But this goes against what they've done in previous weeks with regards to not acknowledging Scott Hall on television other than to discuss the, the apologize i guess for the interruption last week danny you made a big point of the fact that scott hall was not mentioned at all throughout the show until he arrived at the very last uh, last segment so opening nitro here with a recap of the scott hall sting stuff is a little bit different to what we have seen previously isn't it it really is i think maybe the to use what a phrase you were saying last week's size, maybe they'll just try new things and see what stuck because um, here is like, okay, we did that last week. So let's try and see if we can do this this week and then see where it goes from there. Yeah, potentially uh, another aspect maybe could be that we already know Hall is going to be on this show. He said oh, last yeah. week he's coming with a surprise. So perhaps it's easier for WWE to justify advertising this because we know he's going to arrive whereas the first two occasions it was done more as a surprise i guess i don't know i don't know i just find it interesting that it was a a little bit different to what we've been used to so far yeah same here mate okay um the actual wrestling itself gets underway with a match that i suppose to those who have watched a lot of wcw in the past or know a bit about wcw and where it ends up is uh, I don't know, what would be the opposite of a blast from the past? A look into the future, potentially, I guess. Yeah. Because we have Booker T here facing Scott Steiner, who both go on to be big, big players in the main event picture in the last you know, year to 18 months of, of WCW's um, existence in, in the early 2000s. So it's quite interesting seeing them both here as tag team wrestlers facing off one-on-one on an episode of Nitro, don't I absolutely love this. Um this yeah it really from a character standpoint it's like okay we'll throw the tag team the probably let's just face it the the best workers of the tag teams that they're in against each other (laughs) i love this yeah i enjoyed it too both guys looked amazing we get tony Schiavone and larry zavisco on commentary for the first hour as always and they're promoting that the great american bash is just six days away which 
I love to hear because, first of all, I enjoy covering the pay-per-views with yourself, Danny. But secondly, because it's good that they're actually pushing their own shit for a change. Yeah, and they definitely are throughout the entire night here. But yeah, this match was a great way to kick off Nitro. Mm. Uh, again, both guys looked incredible. Fantastic physiques and just power moves galore all over the place. Booker T hits a really impressive crossbody off the top rope. And for a guy his size, that's amazing. Um, Scott Steiner hits a belly-to-belly suplex on his larger opponent, which looks pretty great as well. Misses a Frankensteiner attempt, which I thought was going to lead to the finish and Booker T maybe picking up the win. But Scott Steiner ultimately gets the pinfall with a belly-to-belly overhead. Um, and it, to me, it's a very good opener. Yeah, it really is. It was like uh, just high action. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of good stuff in this match. And it just went a shade over 10 minutes and it was just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Again, we get something, I suppose, you mentioned yourself, Danny, that they're trying different things. And I applaud that. It's not always going to work, but I applaud when a wrestling company tries different stuff just to try and, you know, test the water with with regards to different aspects of, of producing their television. And one of them happens here. We get Mean Gene meeting Scott Steiner in the entranceway on, on, the, on his way back from the ring. He has a little bit of a chat with Gene, but nothing major before Deborah McMichael turns up. Mrs. Mongo, I suppose, for want of a better phrase. And she says, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I need to speak with Gene. Gene turns to Scott Steiner and says, Scott, this is very unusual. And Scott very calmly says, it's all right, Gene. I'll catch up with you later. She looks very upset. I quite liked all that. I thought that was quite an interesting because she's into interrupting somebody else's interview time. So yeah. I, I thought that I thought that was quite a nice little touch. It really was. It was especially um, Scott. It was just weird seeing Scott Steiner um, basically just. I mean, know he's a baby face, but it still it just feels so not genuine. Him just stepping away from the microphone. Yeah, when he's there saying it's all right, Gene. I can see she's upset, or she yeah. looks she looks very upset. And I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, yeah, does she <laughs> does she look upset? I don't. I, I mean. Deborah, I, I don't think acting is a strong point, especially in 96. I don't think she portrays upset very well here, Danny. No, more of like, I would say, um, slightly concerned, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Mildly perturbed or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we basically get told from um, Deborah that she's concerned about Mongo but not from the aspect of he might get hurt or he's stepping into a world that is new to him. She is concerned her husband, Stephen, as she refers to him as, uh, Mongo McMichael, might go too far and injure somebody else. Which, again, I thought was quite a nice little touch. It was. No matter how unbelievable that is, it was still a nice little touch. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. But you know what? This I really enjoyed this because it was the kicking point to essentially a show long running storyline yeah there, there was definitely a thread that ran throughout this episode of nitro mm. and I, I thought it was very well done and you're right this is the starting point of that danny so yeah it is it is yeah. very good indeed I mean, up next we have a little bit more wrestling which is fantastic considering we're watching a wrestling television program um danny i'll ask you first of all what's your favorite ever jim powers match Probably this one. <laughs> <laughs> I could not remember Jim Powers at all. Um, yeah, this is the first time I've seen him. 
Okay, he did work um, elsewhere as well. He, you know, he he was WWF uh, for a while and so on. But here we have Jim Powers taking on Diamond Dallas Page, and Page again. Even though we haven't seen him for a, a week or two at this time, Page gets a really big baby face pop from the crowd again. People are really happy to see him, aren't they? The only person I thought that was more happy to see him than the crowd was Larry Sabisco, who kept drilling down the fact that DDP was the Battle Bowl champion and everything like that, and he was the Lord of the Ring, which I thought that they scrapped that away from him. I'll tell you what, watching this back for the purpose of, of discussing it today with you for the show, this whole Battle Bowl champion and he got a title match that was stripped from him, which Luger now has at the great American bash. And he's got a ring to show that he won the battle bowl and so on. I completely forgot any of that happened. <laughs> I don't blame you. Si. I completely, I, I was, I'm thinking, okay, Luger's facing the giant. That's kind of where my interest or my memory stopped. To be fair, I forgot all of that ever happened. Yeah. It is a weird one, but yeah. Um, Oh, we know DDP is going to go on to great heights, but it's just a bit of a weird st- stop and start for him. But Larry Sabisco is definitely in his corner for this match. He is. He is indeed. Uh, we're also getting the question of who is Diamond Dallas Page's benefactor asked again. Now, this is something that ran for a week or two, um, a little while back, Danny, I suppose. It wasn't on, on Nitro for a while. So we're getting that brought back to our attention. So I wonder if we're going to get more answers regards to that. Yeah, the last time we heard about this was late March, April, uh, April time. Okay. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dallas takes control after a, a counter to an attempted backdrop by Jim Powers here. It's kind of punchy, kicky, which you know, we kind of expect, I suppose, from DDP at this point in his career. Uh, he does hit a gut buster, though, which looked quite cool. Before we get the inevitable diamond cutter, to a pretty decent pop from the crowd when he hit that move. Uh, and DDP picks up the win. And to me, it's just another another stepping stone in, in the build to getting the diamond cutter over to page winning matches again and talking about the benefactor again. And yes. it's just, it's just another vehicle heading in that direction, isn't it? It really is mate. But there's something, um, have you noticed about the first two matches? Go ahead. They're both clean finishes with actual wrestlers using their finisher. Ah, a bit different to what we had last week. Big time, mate. Big time. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. Something that we do get this week that we had quite a bit of last week, however, is video packages promoting various different aspects. And the first one here is for Chris Benoit. And he is obviously taking on Kevin Sullivan at the Great American Bash. And we have another video package here telling a bit more of the story between the Horsemen, the Dungeon of Doom, building up to this this Falls Count Anywhere contest between the Taskmaster and the Crippler at the pay-per-view. Danny, this one was a slightly different video package last week. It ran a little bit longer. There was a few more clips in it. Still buying into this? Absolutely, mate. This was I loved this one as well. Um so much that I think I've recorded this on my phone because I wanted to watch it over and over again. <laughs> Ah, okay. So you're very much looking forward to this particular match then, I assume. Big time. This was on a Chris Benoit DVD 
um, but just the match itself from the Great American Bash, and I just remember being so impressed by it. Uh, I can't wait to see. Well, we're seeing the build up now from it, and I'm loving the build up. But I can't wait to see what happens afterwards. Mm. Yes, yes, very good stuff. Uh, that's followed by another little promo video, and this time getting well, attempting to get Conan over. Mate, this is very. This felt very ECW to me. ECW, quite famously, around the you know in the mid nineties and so on, would put together video packages of certain wrestlers and certain tag teams to you know some some heavy metal music in the background and so on, and just play it on their TV so that when this guy finally debuted, you were excited to see him. Quite a clever old wrestling trope, but. ECW did it very, very well to expose guys that they had working in their little part of the country down there. I got that kind of vibe from this Conan video. It was just showing lots of Conan's you know, better moments in the ring over the last few weeks, a bit of music behind it. And then we get a backstage interview with Conan, and we're told he is going to defend the United States title at the Great American Bash against El Gato. Are you familiar with El Gato, Danny? No, not at all. Um, is he some, oh, <laughs> I was going to say, is he someone we've seen before? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I think we will look into that when we see the pay-per-view itself uh, mm-hmm. next week on Nitro Nights. Um, well, I'll do a little bit of research into Algato and I'll see if it is somebody that we are familiar with under a different guise. Definitely, mate. But I love this um, Conan promo. He did seem fired up. Yes. Yeah, sometimes I think with Conan, especially in this guise... I mean, we know how Conan goes on to be. You'll, you'll be very familiar, Danny, with his, his role in, in TNA, of course, being a big TNA fan yourself. Yeah. In this guy's this kind of Mexican cartoon character, superhero-esque sort of styling to Conan, I think there are moments when I'm watching the guy wrestle and he doesn't look like he's really trying that hard. Mm. I, I'm in no position to judge properly i've never been in the ring i'm not a wrestler myself but just from my opinion as 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 somebody watching who i I like to think i know a little bit about the wrestling business just from outside looking in it sometimes looks like certain moments of conan's matches is almost phoning it in at times don't make us go back to uncensored sigh please (laughs) (laughs) well yeah that is that is true that is true uh um up next, we have Sting, which is always great for us watching on television now, looking back, and also great for the live crowd, because he always manages to get a great reaction and get people on their feet. I was a little concerned, however, because his opponent here is Meng from the Faces of Fear. Now, one of my other podcasts I do, Chain Wrestling, which is live on a Monday evening, and the podcast version comes out via SJP World Media on a Wednesday as well. One of the worst matches we have reviewed on chain wrestling in our 100 plus episodes was when Sting took on Meng. And I believe it was a bash at the beach 94 or 95 or something like that. And it's, it's, it's out on the, on the sand and so on. And it was crap. So I was a little concerned when I saw that Sting versus Meng was coming up next. But this is, this is better than what I remember the other match being, Danny. How, how did you find this? I really enjoyed this match because it was it made a lot of sense. Um, Sting had to go over here because um, 
he was headed into the pay-per-view. But I'm loving the fact that Meng is on um, television weekly. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I, I like Meng or Haku as he was in WWF. I've I, I got a lot of time for the guy. I think he's, he's a very good performer. Uh, Meng batters Sting early on, takes control of the match quite early. Um, we do get a cross-body block from Sting and then he, a few clotheslines and that kind of one-handed faceplant bulldog effort that Sting uses quite often. Meng uses a shoulder breaker before he's caught on the top rope and ends up getting crotched by Sting, drops to the floor, Sting applies the Scorpion Deathlock and wins via submission, which, of course, at, at this time in 96, w- with regards to these guys and their careers and their spot on the card, is kind of how it should really go, Danny, isn't it? It really is, mate. And this is the first time I can remember seeing Sting apply the Scorpion Deathlock from somebody not already on their back, like because Meng was on his belly already and this thing just picked up his legs and just um, applied the submission. I thought that was very, very cool. It was a really good visual. Yeah. It's, it's something I always liked about Brett Hart and Brett mm. using the sharpshooter in that Brett would always, well, apparently what, what I've read, you know, and, and in Brett's book and so on, Brett would practice putting the sharpshooter on in different uh, different positions. So obviously uh, there's a famous one in 92 at Wembley Stadium where he and the Bulldog, his opponent that night, are both led on the floor. Uh, I think it's after a double clothesline or something like that. They're both led on the floor out of it and Brett manages to sink their legs together, roll round and apply the hold. He's He applies it on Yokozuna when Yokozuna's already on his front as well, which is quite impressive at WrestleMania 9 because of the size of the guy's legs. There's moments where he catches people's legs from drop kicks and turns it into the sharpshooter. I love all that sort of stuff. So seeing Sting do something like that with the Scorpion Deathlock, which obviously is his version of the sharpshooter. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it as well, Danny. Yeah, it's been really good. And I've just made a note here saying uh, you can feel the change in the booking already. Three clean wins in a row on Nitro's side. It's amazing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Crazy scenes. (laughs) (laughs) What we get next, though, is another little stepping stone in the show-long thread that Danny pointed out earlier on with regards to Deborah McMichael. Now, she is backstage and with i believe she's with mean gene and she wants an audience with flair but yep. but she has to speak to bobby heenan first so she's talking with heenan heenan says you want to see flair let's go and see flair even though you've been talking to him every night all night for the past week oh bobby you little scamp <laughs> <laughs> uh heenan takes flair uh, sorry takes deborah off to where flair's dressing room is the cameras and Gene are allowed in. They shut the door. And then we hear screams from Deborah, and she runs out looking flustered, and Flair follows her from the dressing room. Now, I'm willing to wager, knowing what we now know, Deborah McMichael was not the first girl to go running out of Ric Flair's dressing room screaming, especially in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote that down as well. I just wrote, it's a very familiar scene for Ric Flair to have somebody mm. running, a woman running out of his uh, locker room screaming <laughs> for her life. But yeah, yeah it, it's aged quite poorly. Um, I just, yeah, I, I'm willing to just say, okay, it's obviously for the storyline purposes, but what came after I thought was bloody fantastic. Well, talk us through it, Danny. What, what did you see afterwards? Well, afterwards, um, Joe Gomez and um, 
uh, the Renegade, who were flaring Arn Anderson's advertised opponents, come running to to stop all the commotion. And Ric Flair and Arn Anderson absolutely destroy them to complete jabronis <laughs> and just <laughs> take them out. More importantly, take them out of the main event. And we get a much better main event placed instead of um, Joe Gomez and uh, the Renegade, which... Um, yeah, so but I think the way they brutalized um, Gomez and um, the I keep going to say the Warrior, the Renegade, <laughs> um, the way they brutalized them is very realistic. The camera shaking everywhere and trying to get, catch all the action. Um, I loved it, and I loved the fact that um, it just looked it made Ric Flair and Arn Anderson look like even more of a threat headed into the pay per view. Yes, indeed. We got a figure four on the floor as well, don't we? And uh, the the knees of Gomez and the Renegade are apparently torn apart in this confrontation backstage. So, yeah, it, it felt like you'd see those old clips of the Four Horsemen attacking wrestlers in the eighties and things like that. It felt very much like that. Mm, yes, yes, I agree. Uh, we head back to the ring. And we have Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who was victorious over... Well, no, sorry, he lost apologies to William Regal, Stephen Regal, the previous week on Nitro. And he's taking on Dave Taylor, one of the Blue Bloods, part of Regal's group there. Uh, before the match starts, we are told that the Renegade and Joe Gomez are definitely out of facing Arn and Flair later on. But they've been replaced with Luger and Sting. And Luger <laughs> and Sting, feeling incredibly generous, are going to put the tag team titles on the line. <laughs> so, whereas that doesn't really make much sense, <laughs> I'm quite happy. Yeah, it, you're right. It makes no sense. Why would Lex Luger and Sting feel generous enough to put the tag team belts on the line? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit silly, isn't it? It's a bit silly. No, uh, but you're right. It, it's amazing to think that um, Joe Gomez and the Renegades were actually going to main event this this particular Nitro. <laughs> well, Joe Gomez and the Renegade, main event anywhere in the world, mate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mate. <laughs> uh, Dave Taylor versus Jim Duggan, however, this is... I've not got much on this whatsoever. The match is incredibly 80s, but not good 80s. This is slow, sluggish, punchy, kicky nonsense, uh, as is the phrase that we often use here. Duggan eventually wins with his taped fist punch. And I just kind of think it's a bit meh. I think we're leading to a Larry Sabisco, Jim Duggan match, because last week Sabisco called out Duggan for using the tape or trying to use the tape. And this week, he just went on a tirade about it. Also, um, Jim Duggan punching Dave Taylor right in, in front of the referee, buries the referee, doesn't it? It does. It's just all a bit silly. This whole, I mean, again, I, I love Duggan, as I've mentioned numerous times on the show, because when I met the guy, he was fantastic. I got to speak with him. He was, he was just, I'm not going to tell the story again, because I've gone into it numerous times. But yeah, I got a bit of a soft spot for Jim Duggan because yeah. of that. However... This whole taped fist thing, and yeah, this doesn't work for me, mate. Nah, me too, mate. But the fact that the referee saw it just kind of ruined it for me. Mm, I agree. I agree. Um, up next, we do get another promo vid, but I'm going to wager here. Without, I mean, for those who are unaware, Danny and I never discuss the episodes or what's happened before we press record. We want our conversations and reactions and thoughts to be as organic as possible when we, we record Nitro Nights. 
So I don't know Danny's opinion on this before we sit down today. But I'm willing to wager this next video, this next promo, you loved and has got you excited. Because we are, lo- we are looking at Rey Mysterio versus Dean Malenko for the WCW Cruiserweight title at the Great American Bash, Danny. What did you think? Absolutely loved it, mate. Um I'm loving these video packages for the most part. Obviously, we've got the Hulk Hogan ones, but wow, um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I'm loving the fact that okay, we're selling you matches for the pay per view, but we can also sell you matches from a different angle by putting a video package out there, like the Chris Benoit, um, Kevin Sullivan uh, match is being promoted via video package, and so is this for the Great American Bash. And I love it, the fact that, um, yeah, it's very 90s. It, it's it's good. I, I enjoy it. I mean, mm. you, you're, you're showing, especially with Mysterio and Malenko, I think, it's an advert for what they're good at. I mean, Mysterio, he can talk. We've seen it in the WWF. He, he can hold his own with regards to a promo. Malenko, you don't see that much of doing yeah. that. Um, but... Their strong point is that they're wrestling. Their strong point is the matches these two can put on, especially at this point in their career. I mean, Mysterio goes on to have numerous fantastic matches his whole career. And even now, you know, God knows how many years later, Mysterio is still holding his own in in the WWE. Malenko, obviously, we know has his health issues now. He retired many years ago. But Malenko goes on to have numerous fantastic matches uh, all over the place after this. But here in 96, we've got Mysterio before the knee injuries really took their toll. We've got Malenko, who... I'm going to stick my neck out here now and say Dean Malenko in 96, I think is one of the best wrestlers in the world. At that point, I think he is one of the top guys in the business with regards to in-ring content. I think he is that good. So when you've got guys like that, I don't think you need story. I don't think you need masses of... Uh, segments telling a to- telling a tale going into the contest. It's two incredibly talented wrestlers going after a championship, which is the pinnacle of their weight division. So they're yep. taking this video, the clips of Mysterio and Malenko being fantastic, putting it together and saying, there you go, that's what you're going to get at the pay-per-view. And I think that's a really nice change of pace to what we see in pro wrestling today. And I think it's a nice change of pace in what we see in some of the aspects of Nitro back then. We've got the whole Mongo McMichael and Deborah thread with Ric Flair running through this episode, telling a story with regards to their match. This is a different way of promoting a wrestling match on the same show. And I think it's really clever. Yeah, definitely, mate. And as you said, um, Dean Malenko isn't the best on the microphone, so why not just show his positives by doing something like this? Mm. Yeah, and it works for me. I'd happily pay the pay-per-view price to see this match alone from that clip. Yeah, same, mate. Yeah. What follows is a little bit weird because it can't be WCW and just be brilliant. It has to be a bit strange. We have Bubba here, the big boss man, with Jimmy Hart, and they're with Mean Gene. And they're talking about John Tenta and shark avalanche whatever they're referring to him as getting kicked out of the dungeon of doom and they're gonna you know have a match with him and do this that the other and take him on at the pay-per-view and all this sort of stuff but what makes it quite strange is that big bubba still has john tenter's hair now 
I can appreciate it's part of the gimmick. It's all about the fact that he's cut his hair. But look, look at this in context now. We've got, again, we're, we're looking at how they're trying to make Nitro. They're trying to add a lot of realism into WCW's television and Nitro and so on. Something that Eric Bischoff speaks quite openly about whenever you hear interviews with him. That was a real big point he was trying to push forward. The realism of Nitro in comparison to the cartoony WWF at the time. So if you look at it from a realism standpoint, why is Big Bubba, what is it now, two weeks later, three weeks later, still walking around with a handful of Earthquake's fucking hair? (laughs) I have no idea, mate, but yeah, I think it's just WCW, isn't it? (laughs) It's just a bit silly for me. But again, it's that little throwback. And I, I think this segment here, the fact that it follows that brilliant video of Mysterio and Malenko promoting their match at the Great American Bash. Mm. There's two ways of looking at it for me. With regards to WCW and the WWE, WWF, whatever, they're massive, huge international companies, and they're trying to cater to so many different tastes. This is why ECW never raised up to that level, because ECW is catering very much to a niche audience with regards to the hardcore aspect. And of course, they had the cruiserweights as well, and there were other things going on, but they, they didn't branch out into other territory. They stayed very much what they were what they were good at. They did well, and they stayed within that, and that's why they never really hit the heights that they perhaps could have if they'd been a little bit more open-minded with regards to their product, in my opinion, anyway. Here at WCW, I understand they've got different audiences, different ages, and different tastes to cater to. But how different is these two moments here? You've got Mysterio and Malenko being advertised, and this clip of fantastic wrestling and this move and that move, and it's so fast, and it's like, wow, I must watch this. This is something something I've never seen before. And then we cut back to Bubba holding John Tenter's hair whilst Jimmy Hart cackles away like a little cartoon villain. it's It's just night and day to me. It's just two completely different aspects of the wrestling business in this little 10 minute bubble, Danny. Yeah, it's a perfect way of putting it, mate. Is night and day. It's um, just a very dark um, night, isn't it? <laughs> mm, but yeah, out, out of this, we get in. Uh, we get. We learn that we're getting Big Bubba Rogers versus John Tenter at the pay per view. Yeah, and again, it's it's something different. I mean, I, I know wrestling fans. I mean, granted, they're older than me, so maybe they are potentially set in their ways. But I know wrestling fans who are not interested in watching small guys flip around the ring. They want to watch big monsters fight it out. So I appreciate that they have to be catered to as much as, say, someone like myself who wants to watch Dean Malenko stretch a guy for 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, so I appreciate that you can't have you can't have everything the same. But an issue with AEW at the moment is that I feel so many of their matches are kind of the same. You know you're going to get planches. You know you're going to get dives. You know you're going to get moonsaults and flips and super kicks. And that tends to happen in so many of their matches that it doesn't cater for everyone's taste. And I think WCW here are doing the opposite to that. You've got the cruiserweights. You've got, obviously, Flair and Arn taking on the celebrities. You've got the big tag match that's been advertised of of Fire and Ice versus the Steiners. 
And then you've got these two big monsters from the 80s who, in theory, are going to be slapping the shit out of each other in, in, in Bubba and John Tenter. Not all of it is to my taste, and I don't doubt for a second when we watch the pay-per-view, I'm going to be critical of certain aspects I don't enjoy. However, they're trying to cater to the much wider scope of fans, I feel. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it, mate. But it's like we saw John Tenter versus Big Bubba last week on Nitro, and it just absolutely shit the bed. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just hoping that the pay-per-view match will be a lot better. Yeah, hope, hopefully they're saving it for the pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll find out next week on Nitro Nights. We go to an ad break after seeing Mean Gene with Jimmy Hart and Bubba and the handful of hair. Um, we go to an ad break and then we come back from the ad break and little Gene has been doing a lap of the arena. He's ran from where he was back to the the entranceway of the ring. So he's, he's running about all over the place. He's earning his few quid this evening, his older Mr. Oakland. And he's now talking to Scott Norton, who is coming out for his match against the Giant after the Giant destroyed him last week. But before we get to that contest of Norton versus the Giant, we have our countdown for hour two, Danny. This was a lot better. A lot yeah. better. At least it wasn't in a uh, match. So yeah. I've got to give him credit. Worked better this week, didn't it? Big time, mate. Big time. Yeah, definitely so. Uh, the second hour of Nitro, headed up by Bischoff and uh, Heenan, as always, uh, begins with that aforementioned contest between Scott Norton and the Giant. We get a power slam by the Giant very early on. They then fight on the outside for a little while. There's a choke slam on the outside, and then the Giant wins. So again, it, it's quite a straightforward victory for the Giant. But when he's seven foot four and weighs what he does, and he's already the world champion. This, to me, is kind of the way it should be booked, Danny, especially the week before the pay-per-view. Yeah. So he, um, Scott Norton face, faced a, a lot better match than um, Ice Train did, where at least Scott Norton looked a little bit competitive. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this match. Yeah, okay. Uh, Luger comes out, which, again, I suppose he should, because they're facing off in six days on the pay-per-view, so you want some kind of interaction between them on television. Uh, Luger comes out and they tease the choke slam through the table again that Luger took a couple of weeks back before Luger escapes that potential, um, you know, hazard by just kicking the giant in the bollocks. <laughs> I loved it. And I loved when he just then just grabbed the champagne bucket and just loved it on the giant and then just uh, walked off and yeah. just, uh, we'll see you at the pay-per-view. Yeah, he just goes up to where Bischoff is doing the commentary, doesn't he? And rants a little bit. And Luger here, still, it's not it's not his strong point, but it's more convincing than the, the interview or promo we had last week with regards to yeah. Sting and the Steiner tag match. Here, he's got the adrenaline pumping. He's been out in front of the crowd. He's animated. At least he seems passionate about what he's saying even if what he's saying is just a little bit of nonsense. I could buy into that. Yeah, definitely, mate. Same here. Yeah, okay. Um, following that, then, we have uh, Stephen Regal wrestling again. And Regal is facing a very, very, very young Billy Kidman here, Danny. I was shocked. I did not know this is how uh, Billy Kidman came into WCW. I just always assumed he came in with the flock. 
Ah, okay. Oh, the flock. Bloody hell, we've got a little while before we get to them. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Kidman here, especially looking about eight years old, um, he it really did surprise me to see him here. Yeah, incredibly young looking Billy Kidman. Uh, Kidman starts the match very quickly, but misses a 450 attempt. I, I think it was a 450. He ended up yeah. doing a 450 onto his front. So I'm assuming that was the match he was trying, uh, sorry, the move he was trying to complete um, before Regal basically just gets him to tap out. And it was over so incredibly quickly. But again, to me, it's not that negative a thing because Sting comes out. Sting slaps Regal and we have a bit of nonsense between them two. Again, hyping the pay-per-view. It works. It does, mate. But an important question to ask you, sir. Okay. Will Sting now be fined for slapping Regal? No, we established this last week, mate. This is on Nitro. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fair you enough. Can, you can slap on Nitro, mate. We said this last week, didn't we? You can't, oh, on, yes. mate, can't yeah. on main event. They're much stricter on main event. No <laughs> slaps there, my friend. No Fair. slaps on the weekend TV. Fair enough, mate. But yeah, it, it, <laughs> just even though there wasn't much of a like a interaction between the two, it was so good to see that they're hyping everything on the pay-per-view. All the big matches are being hyped and even all the little matches as well. Yeah, I mean, they've got this this extended TV program, haven't they? They've got this two-hour yeah. Nitro now. So, to me, this is how they should be using their TV time. Yeah. You've got, you've got the pay-per-view coming up, and I don't know how many matches on the pay-per-view. We'll do our usual run-through at the end of the show. But we've, we've got the, the, the pay-per-view coming up, which is going to be two hours, 45, three hours-ish time-wise. They tend to be that around this time. So, you know you're going to get a decent amount of matches on there promoting each match individually why the hell not you've got the extra tv time you know why not use it in this way i sometimes watch well i was gonna say i sometimes watch raw but i'd be lying i haven't watched raw in a long long time but when i was still watching wwe on a weekly basis you used to find that they had this 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 three-hour mammoth tv show and a pay-per-view coming up that weekend they might take the time to promote two or three matches yeah and you've got three hours of TV. So why not put more investment into the lesser characters or lesser storylines? And here, I think WCW uh, and Kevin Sullivan, who's booking, and Bischoff, who's obviously in charge at the time, is doing a fantastic job of building towards this pay-per-view. Yeah, they really are. I mean, it's the whole night with getting this. So really, really impressed. Mm, yes, it's great stuff. Oh, I see. Here we here we are singing its praises, and I'm just looking down my notes, and I can see the little red line which says, you know, the next match. And yeah, we're singing the praises of this, and it just takes a bit of a nosedive for me now. Because I'm not going to lie, Danny, I really don't care about the nasty boys at this point. Yeah, um, this you say nosedive, uh, extreme nosedive, isn't it? It's like. Okay, we've had a brilliant first hour, and we've had, we've gone a little bit into the second hour. We're, we're doing really well. We've had a brilliant Billy Kidman versus Lord Stephen Regal match, and then this. Yeah, um, I really thought this feud was over. I thought it was finished. Mm. I'm a, I'm not gonna say I, I'm a nasty boys fan, but I I just can't get into this feud with the public enemy because I think. The nasty boy. I, I remember asking you, sir, very early on in Nitro nights, was 
if the nasty boys were were in their prime at this point and you said you don't think they ever had a prime <laughs> <laughs> no i mean if you had to pick a prime for the nasty boys uh, they won the wwf world tag titles in 91 yeah they, they were doing some good stuff then with the heart foundation and, and the rockers and so on so maybe in ring yeah with regard with regards to national exposure television uh, and finding matches that are readily available that's probably when they're at their best i mm. think but even that wasn't great yeah i mean they, they were never ever ring technicians or anything like that they were more brawling styles so them matching up with i mean you could really say the nasty boys were the 80s version of public enemy to me and then you'd see the public enemy kind of it's just basically just two guys who are just good at brawling and not much else more based off of a look and reputation so these two wrestling again it just kind of was like to me oh i thought this food was finished that's the biggest feeling i had i'll be honest mm. i thought we were done with this i thought we had, this... we had that silly nonsense where um uh one of the i think it was rock or rock was dressing up as um jerry sags and everything like that and that was weeks ago yeah i thought we were done with this i really did <laughs> and I'm kind of done with this. I don't need to see the Nasty Boys versus the Public Enemy again for quite a while. I'm. I, I think this is because because nothing they give us is new. Yeah, I can watch uh, Omega Okada four times back to back, not a problem because they do different things. I can watch Steamboat Flair. I can watch uh, I don't know Luger Windham. I can watch whatever. You know, I mean, Cena versus Orton got boring quickly oh, when, yeah. they were, when they were wrestling each other over and over and over and over again. But I was still invested longer than I was with this Nasty Boys Public Enemy because yeah. they were they were giving us different things. Here, yeah. it's the same shit every time we see it. And the first couple of times we watched this match, Danny, we were quite positive about it, if I remember correctly. Yeah. We thought this this is something different. It's got a little bit of the extreme, a little bit of the ECW vibe coming in. We get the split screen because they're brawling all over the place, which again, we get here. Um, I mean, we'll run through the match very quickly now, I suppose. Public Enemy jump the Nasty Boys early uh, as they're still making their entrance. It turns into the standard brawl where they pair off and go around the ring and up the entrance way and all this sort of stuff with the with the nitro split screen so we can watch both aspects at the same time. Um, at this point, I'm asking the question, is this a no DQ match then? Because the referee, he hasn't rang the bell to start the match, but the referee is in the ring acting as though the match has began. <laughs> so is this a no DQ match? Who knows? That's never explained. It then all of a sudden turns into a normal tag match, which was really silly. Because they're brawling, hitting each other with chairs and all sorts of nonsense. And then they both decide at the same time to start obeying the rules and tagging in and out. We do then get a promo for, you know, Blood Runs Cold, Danny. So I thought of you when that yeah, popped up. That, that was a lovely break, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, again, this is where my, ne my next note after the Glacier promo um, happened is that I don't care about the Nasty Boys at this point anymore. That's my next note because the Glacier promo made me realise how little I gave a shit about this match. <laughs> um, Rocco Rock, even though now we're apparently obeying the rules, Rocco Rock then goes and fetches some weapons. Um, Johnny Grunge 
barely touches. Oh yeah, well we should comment on Johnny Grunge. He's got a cast on his arm. He's apparently broken his wrist. And yeah. Bischoff on commentary is really pushing the fact that this WCW wrestler is wrestling with a cast on his arm. He's working injured. And he's making digs without naming anybody or naming the company. He's making digs at the WWF who people are not wrestling at the moment because apparently they're out injured and so on. Whereas here on WCW, we've got Johnny Grunge wrestling with a cast on his arm. He's wrestling injured because WCW is where the big boys play. Apparently. It's just, the show. Oh. <laughs> it's just when these big boys play, it's absolute fucking garbage. <laughs> Johnny Grunge uses the cast as a weapon. But he barely touches Brian Nobbs with it. Nobbs sells it like he has been shot. So it made it look ridiculous. The match then ends on a DQ. But we had the mad brawl at the beginning, which then turned into a normal match. But then more weapons became involved and the match then ends at a DQ. It makes no sense. It's absolute shite. I'm confused. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel your frustration, sir, because... Um they were doing so good up to this point. Every match had a clean finish. Even if you look at the Hacksaw Duggan, um, Dave Taylor match that had a clean pinfall as a win. Um, and then we have a DQ here, but this made sense to have a DQ because it seems like neither of these teams want to put each other over. I don't mind the match ending with a DQ. Hmm. I think there's a time and a place for it. Count out finish, DQ finish, a match being thrown out because the referee loses control, whatever. Yeah. I, I'm okay with all of that. As long as it's not every match on the show because it cheapens the whole product. Yeah. And as long as it doesn't directly affect uh, the, the blow-off, I guess, of a big feud or a title contest or something. If, if it's the end yeah. of a feud or what you've been building towards then you need to have a clean finish there, in my opinion. Every every match is different. Every situation is different. Context is important, of course. However, here, I don't get it. It's not going to hurt the Nasty Boys, them getting beat. It's not yeah. going to hurt Public Enemy, in my opinion, getting beat. You could go either way round, because I don't give a shit about either of them. So it doesn't really matter to me. However, it's ended on a DQ when they've already been brawling and using weapons for God knows how long beforehand. <laughs> and then they bring more weapons out. And then the ref just decides, ah, you know what? I've had enough. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had enough, but this is, <laughs> I, I, it just makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm just praying to the wrestling gods that, uh, we don't get this at the pay-per-view. Oh, do you know what? I, I don't actually know. I've got a horrible feeling now that we're going to have to see this again, aren't we? Oh, I really hope not. I mean, if it is, let it be one of those 17 matches on the pre-show that we never get to see. <laughs> yeah. At least at least give us something different. If we're going to have to watch Public Enemy... I mean, I'm saying this now, like like what I say in 2022 has reference on what went on in 1996. Of course it doesn't. But just for my own mindset, give us something different. <laughs> I don't want to see Public Enemy versus the Nasty Boys doing the same stuff with chairs again and again give us something different do something different change it up a little bit give me a reason to care is I, I say i seem to say this a lot with regards to when we're reviewing wrestling and storylines and building uh, angles and so on but just give me a reason to care that's all that matters yeah perfectly said mate speaking of not caring we have another hulk hogan video <laughs> 
We do. Um, this one seemed a bit longer, in my opinion. I mean, it just seemed to take their time when Hulk Hogan was just slapping the piss out of Vader. I mean, it just maybe I've just watched these videos too much, but I'm starting to see slight differences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe driving us both stir crazy. Yeah. Uh, following that, we have another video, but this time it's concerning uh, Steve Mongo McMichael and Kevin Green, and it's a training video. And a catch up on their feud and how things have been built and and so on. I didn't mind this as much because the match has taken place in six days. It's a nice little recap, I suppose, to build towards the pay per view and try and say to people, "Give us your money so you can see this." I, I think it. I could see a purpose for it, Danny. Yeah, me too, mate. And I'm happy that we got to see Macho Man again, even in, if it was a pre-tape. He was in this little video, mm. and um, he was definitely looking intense and looks like he's going to attack Bobby Heenan. Well, yeah, he is crazy, of course. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, That brings us, though, already, Danny, already to our main event of this two-hour episode of Nitro. Quite and shocking. We, it has. It, it's Just flown through. Brain. Yeah. Uh, we have the WCW World Tag Team Champions main eventing Nitro again for the second week in a row. The team of Sting and Lex Luger. And they're taking on the team of Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. This, again, similar to Flair and Arn taking on the Rock and Roll Express in a previous episode of Nitro last week, I believe. Uh, this, again, feels like it could have been a main event from 1986. But, but it's different it, it it could have been a main event. I think it may well have been a main event in certain shows back in the mid-80s. The same as Flair and Arn versus the Rock and Roll. But Flair and Arn versus the Rock and Roll felt old. This feels like it could have been a main event from years earlier, but doesn't feel out of place here in 96, Danny. Yeah, I fully agree with you, mate. This was like, I mean, because we've seen the build-up of these four interacting with each other for months and months and months. It just feels current. And I know you would have loved a, a minute in this just before the bell happened, uh, just before the bell rang, sorry. Um, you you get a lovely shot of those W Tag Team Championship belts. I know you would have enjoyed that. Yeah, they got some bloody good-looking titles in WCW, aren't they? Oh, big time, mate. I mean, I just loved seeing, like, you get a big close-up of that. And, yeah, I mean, they should really be on television today in some in some form or fashion. Maybe WWE should just rip them designs off because oh, they're just brilliant. You look at the United States Championship as well, which, you know, we've seen Conan with last week, for example. That is one of my all-time favourite title belts. It looks It looks fantastic. The, the big gold belt is obviously probably my favorite of all time. The, the television title looks good. The cruiserweight belt it, it is a nice championship as well. It's, I, I suppose the thing I'm trying to get at is they look like wrestling titles and not like toys. Yeah. I mean, that's the perfect uh, way of saying it. And in the future, we'll um, see the, do you remember the WSW Hardcore Championship? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It took me years to find a picture of that somehow, but when I saw it, I was like, well, even that looks better than the WWF Hardcore mm. Championship. I mean, they they have some wobbly ones, which again we'll we'll get into as we as we progress for our for our look back and, and this project we're doing at, at every episode of Nitro Thunder and and so on. They have some wobbly championships that pop up and some variations of belts that don't quite work, but on the whole, I mean, especially here in '96, they look great. Yeah. Uh, back to our main event. 
uh, Lex Luger starts the match in true Luger and Ric Flair 1980s fashion, where Luger is getting chopped and punched, no sells it. Flair looks terrified. This is just great stuff for me. Yeah, I mean, I love the selling from Flair. It's just so good. Um, a regular occurrence as well from back in the day that we guess revisited here is Flair and Arn, uh, the heels of the of the piece, I guess, just jumping out the ring and taking a break. Uh, and trying to collect their thoughts and think, okay, this isn't working. What are we doing? Whilst the baby faces stand in the ring looking all conquering. So simple, but the crowd love it, Danny, don't they? Oh, they're really into this, mate. It's a shame they couldn't go to the VIP table since it'd been um, destroyed early. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, eventually, we get a delayed vertical suplex by Lex Luger. Uh, Luger then, though, misses a big elbow drop, tags Sting in. Uh, and whilst this is happening, Bischoff on commentary, and I thought this was quite an important thing to to note and, and mention, Danny. Bischoff on commentary starts talking about nitro parties. Now, are you familiar with nitro parties? Yes, we saw the first one uh, a few months ago, but from then on, we hadn't seen the um, we haven't seen them or heard anything about them. I think it's a very clever thing they do because, mm. again, it's it's not like nowadays where you have youtube and tiktok and twitch and all these people similar to us i guess danny who 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 quite can quite easily put forward their own thoughts and opinions on any on any subject matter around appearing on television or appearing on any kind of broadcast was quite exciting it's quite oh look there's me you know it's quite it's quite a big yeah. thing so saying saying to people okay if you have these nitro parties and again very cleverly talking about people of a certain age having these parties at universities or campuses and, and, and colleges and so on. So again, aiming at the 18 plus age bracket, as opposed to the children that the WWF are aiming at saying, whilst you have these parties, take photos and send them in and we'll show them on the show. You're then getting these people to again tune in in a later time. They're gonna they're gonna tune in when they have their party, but they're gonna tune in again on a later episode to see if their picture makes it onto the episode of Nitro. I mean, it's a really simple little uh, gimmick, simple little device, but I think yeah. it's quite clever. It works really well. It really is, mate. I mean, even today, by today's standards, you'd see. Um a rest WWE show would show somebody's tweet, a screenshot of their tweet, and they'll be so happy. They'll be like, "Oh wow!" And compared to back here, you'd see your whole you and your friends wearing WWE merchandise and watching Nitro and everything like that. And you could keep that forever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. A, a very, and it doesn't cost anything, but it's quite a clever no. little marketing spot there. Yeah. Bischoff is quite a clever guy. He really uh, is, and I'm just happy that. All those fans uh, can now, in 2022, look back on that because um, of WWE making it readily available. And imagine that you could be like, oh, I appeared on Nitro once. And then you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> Bloody hell. Can you imagine the haircuts and the clothes? <laughs> there's, we'll pi there's, there's pictures of me that exist from 1996, Danny. I was 15, 16. Those pictures will never see the light of day because they are they are <laughs> horrific. Trust me. How old were you in '96, Danny? I was five. Oh fuck off, Danny. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Back to our main event. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sting uh, works over both the bad guys for a little while. So Flair and Arn go for another little timeout on the outside. Um, Flair gets caught on the top rope when they when they when the action restarts, which is standard Ric Flair, isn't it? And he ends up getting thrown yeah. across the ring. He then takes a superplex from Sting, which I thought looked incredible because they didn't just do the adage of you know standing on the middle rope and suplexing the guy over the top. Both Flair and Sting were on the top rope down to the ring. So that yeah. always spectacular, Danny. It really is. And I love the hot tag that Lex Luger gets here. Yeah, I mean, Sting gets worked over for a little while by the heels before we get the the hot tag to Lex and he, he clears the, he clears house, doesn't he? He, he starts yeah. just smashing everyone. And again, you keep going back to it, but again, six days before the pay-per-view Luger's looking strong as hell here. Yeah, he really is, mate. So straightforward, just that hot tag. And, and that's something that stands out in my memory from this episode of Nitro and your memory from this episode of Nitro. That's the challenger for the world title beating up two guys the caliber of Arn and Flair. And again, how many tag matches have we watched in our lives? Hundreds. And you always see the hot tag and the guy comes in and clears house. It's it's, an, it's part of tag team wrestling. It's as old as yeah. tag wrestling itself. But here, in the last match before we go to the pay-per-view, Luger gets to look super strong by having that moment. I think it's such a clever little ploy there. Yeah, it really is, mate. Uh, the Giant does arrive, though, at this stage. The match is then thrown out. Scott Steiner turns up again and Steiner and Sting beat up on the giant before Lex clotheslines him out the ring, but the giant lands on his feet. So again, Luger looks strong without weakening how the giant looks. And, and I'm, I'm sold by this point. I, I'm thinking yeah. 1996 me wants to see this main event. Yeah. I mean, I love the fact that when Scott Steiner, Sting and Lex Luger teamed up on the giant, the crowd went absolutely mental, didn't they? Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, and that's kind of the end of the action for this episode of Nitro. And as as is normal, I guess, with this t- television show, we go back to the commentary table for a little recap from Eric Bischoff and uh, Bobby Heenan. Heenan is again ranting about Randy Savage, but then quickly departs when Scott Hall <laughs> arrives. <laughs> uh, Hall talks to Bischoff and starts talking about you, you getting the three guys and we are in coming down. We are taking over. And then he does this kind of weird little point. He's pointing behind him, pointing behind him and Bischoff there. The, what this, the one thing that takes me away, takes me out of this moment, Danny mm. is when Bischoff is saying to Hall, what's this big surprise? What's your surprise? And then the camera cuts back a little bit and we see Kevin Nash arrive. The WWF's Diesel, as he was known as at this point in his career. And Nash stands behind Bischoff. The crowd are reacting. We can hear it at home. There's no way Bischoff cannot react, cannot hear that reaction, sorry, in, in the arena. Yeah. And Scott Hall is pointing behind Bischoff and going, look there, look there. Up to that point, fantastic. Bischoff oversells it a bit for me here. Bischoff, yeah. Bischoff then starts saying, what? I'm here. I'm right here. I'm right here. <laughs> when that wouldn't happen, you would react to the crowd and Hall saying, look behind you. I think he was stalling for time to make sure that Nash 
got in the right place. So when he turned around, he didn't, he wasn't just walking up the steps or something. Ah, okay. That's interesting. That's just my assumption because it was like, you see it sometimes in wrestling matches as well when like the wrestler, uh, someone's supposed to be getting attacked from behind, they'll give their um, attacker like a couple of seconds of like looking at the crowd. It's kind of like um, a pantomime where it's kind of like, oh uh, yeah, we'll give him a couple of seconds just to make sure he's there. And then when he turns around, Nash is there. But instead, Nash tapped him on the back, didn't he? Yeah, that is quite interesting. Oh, I didn't even that didn't even enter my mind. I suppose it does make a little bit of sense there. Hmm. Yeah. I made Bischoff was waiting for the uh, the tap on the shoulder. Hmm. It's it's all hypothetical. I mean, we don't know why, but I do think you're right about Bischoff overselling because it was like he's done such a brilliant job of don't want to say underselling, but he's being right on point with the Scott Hall storyline so far, and this yeah. is kind of comedy. Yeah, it was a little bit more sports entertainment than mm. reality-based, I guess. But, I mean, I'm really nitpicking, mind. I'm pointing that out because it does take me out of it for a moment. But it's still bloody brilliant. Yeah. Big time, mate. Especially, he just shows up wearing all black, wearing a hat, and it's like, isn't that Diesel from WWF? And that's what everyone would have been thinking as well. Yeah. That's what everyone tuning in would have been thinking. Uh, um, Nash then cuts a promo. And again, we, we we know a couple of lines from it because it's what's replayed over and over and over again. The famous one being, um, this is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective, play. When the word play isn't actually an adjective at all. But there we go. <laughs> I love that fact. <laughs> it's... Uh, that's the famous statement from it. Not because of the the, the sort of little, uh, you know, snafu with regards to the English language there, but with regards to it being quite, you know, h- historic. This is Nash's first words on WCW television. This is his first big statement. The promo actually goes on for a bit longer than people realise, though, Danny, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I've met wrote that down as well. It was like, he doesn't just show up, make the challenge and then leave. He's actually showing up, uh, giving quite a speech um i'm not gonna lie some of it i did struggle to understand the references and things like that but it was it was still he got the point across Mm, okay interesting can you remember off the top of your head anything that you couldn't quite grasp i believe he made a reference to maybe a sports star or a celebrity or something like that and i just couldn't grasp it i was like okay yeah yeah yeah, i don't know if you yeah yeah, sort of pop culture references yes. for that time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, that's fair enough. That's uh, fair the, enough. the WWE DVDs always cut that away because that's the first time I've ever seen that. Mm. Yeah, something else that is really interesting to take away from this as well. I mean, I, I know, obviously, what happens at the Great American Bash with regards to Nash and, and Hall and so on. But what you don't see on those DVDs and the WWE revisionist history i guess is the fact that bischoff basically without saying the exact words he kind of says that hall and nash are going to get their fight at the great american bash yeah that's a great point mate he kind of he kind of says okay you want to fight at the great american bash you know you want to fight. come to the great american bash he, inv- he invites them to the great american bash and 
he kind of, without saying it, basically hints at Hall and Nash are going to get their fight, get their opportunity at the Great American Bash, which I think, again, it's a bit naughty on one aspect, mm. but it's a business and you're there to sell pay-per-views, you're there to sell tickets. He's not said this is going to happen, but he's put that little seed in people's minds, yeah. which again, when you add to the fact that you've got Lex Luger looking strong, taking on the giant, you've got Sting on the card as well. You've got the Steiners who are hugely popular. You've had this brilliant video package of Mysterio versus Malenko for the Cruiserweight title. And now you're getting told, oh, hang on, Hall and Nash are going to be there. That bit I know. But they might be getting their fight that night as well. Yeah. That's enough for me to part with my money. Book, you know, book the pay-per-view. It's so cleverly done. It is, mate. And they've done it right at the end of Nitro as well. So it's really, really cool. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that kind of brings us to the end of that episode of Nitro again. Uh, Danny. Plus points and negatives. Woos and oh brothers, my friend. Woo! Brother, 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 brothers, brother. Woo! Brother. First or second? I'll go second this week, sir. Okie doke. Uh, my oh brother this week, my negative, will be no surprise to anybody at all. It's the Nasty Boys versus the Public Enemy. I've literally just got a note here that says fucking yawn. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Danny, your O brother, your negative? It 100% has to be the same thing. I mean, it just went on too long. I mean, it, it, for, a, for a squash or something like that, that turned into it, well, a brawl that turned into a normal match and then a brawl again, it just went on way too long. Yeah, totally. Uh, my woo, my plus point, my highlight of the episode, there's a lot here. This episode was, was very good, but I think it's so difficult to get away from what we're seeing on the weekly basis on the weekly television now that is exciting and makes us want to watch more it's so difficult to get away from that regardless of how great other aspects of the show may be my woo once again involves the invasion storyline it's kevin nash arriving because it's just such a cool moment yeah it's iconic isn't it it's like oh well here's the other uh, chapter of the nwo book um, my woo would be throughout this entire Nitro episode, we had clean finishes um, or finishes that made sense, like a match getting thrown out or the Nasty Boys public envy mess. But it seemed you can uh, give you a WhatsApp earlier and I said you can feel the change of the booking 100%. I mean, since Scott Hall arrived, they have really fired things up. Mm. And yeah, the finishes, I'm massive fan of finishes making sense. Everyone made sense here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, I think for a go home episode of the weekly wrestling television for, for the go home episode before the pay-per-view, your last opportunity on, on the big network TV show they have to plug the pay-per-view that weekend. I don't think they could have got it much better than this. Yeah. But I am going to make a, a request of you, sir. Okay. I think you should go and watch the Saturday night or whatever shows you can find that happen before 
the Great American Bash because that's what I'm going to do straight after this recording because I want to know what else little hints that they threw in there. Maybe they threw in something else about Scott or Kevin Nash. Interesting. I imagine you'll be able to find the Saturday night on the network. I'm not sure you'll find much else. Yeah, I'll have but... a deep look. There's got to be some written reports of it or something because I'd really want to see if they... Um, had to clarify that Scott Hall and Kevin Nash were not going to be wrestling or something like that. Again, though, I, I think it's very clever in that they've not been named still. Yeah, there's there's still no reference to Nash and Hall. There's still no reference to Razor or Diesel. Mm. It's just we're taking over, and that we insinuates it's the WWF. It yeah. hints at it being the WWF, and in a similar way to them saying you know, will be at the Great American Bash. It hints at things happening without saying it's going to. So there's always a get out with regards to that. And I think it's just yeah. really cleverly done and put together with regards to all of that. Uh, the episode overall, then, Danny, um, hit, miss or middling? Massive hit, si, this one. <laughs> yes, I <laughs> This miss. is amongst the best nachos we've watched. And yeah, big hit, mate. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Big, big hit. Absolutely fantastic stuff. It's just, I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, obviously, our next episode of Nitro Nights is covering the 1996 edition of the Great American Bash because we run in date order, covering everything that they released. Well, Saturday night aside, obviously. As always, with our go-home episodes, I asked Danny, what can you remember is on the card? So, Danny, Great American Bash. What's on the card, my friend? So, from what I can remember, I remember we've got the Giant versus Lex Luger. Mm-hmm. I know we've got Rey Mysterio versus Dean Malenko. Yep. I know we've got Regal versus Sting. And probably the match I'm most looking forward to is Benoit versus Sullivan. And the big tag team match of Ric Flair and Arn Anderson versus Mongo McMichael and, and uh, Kevin Green. Now, I, yes. I don't know if there's any more matches, but that's all I could remember at the end of the second episode. <laughs> well, that's five. That's five matches yeah. that you've mentioned there. We do have the Steiners versus Fire and Ice. Oh, yes. That was mentioned, uh, yeah. I believe, last week, wasn't it? Yeah. On, on Nitro. So that's six matches, plus we have the promise of Nash and Hall being there. Oh, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is shaping up to be a bloody good show, isn't it? It really is, yeah. And it's like... Okay, we we tried uh, thinking if I remember from um, Halloween Havoc nineteen ninety five, where we was like oh, we couldn't remember a thing. We could we could barely remember the main event that was happening six days, <laughs> and now we can name off five matches. Maybe not all of them, but we can name off like five matches like that. And we, mm. we're really looking forward to the Great American Bash, mate. I'm definitely watching it early. Yeah, I'm excited too. I'm excited too. But before we get there and before we depart today, Danny, we need to let everyone know whereabouts they can hear your glorious dulcet tones discussing all sorts of goodness on your other content and podcasts, my friend. Where can people find you on Twitter and where can people find your excellent work? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggalo. You can hear me on One Man's Meat podcast with the great Chris Bellis. You can hear me on... Uh, back when with the great Ty Peters and you can hear me here where we'll be talking the Great American Bash 1996 with the great Cy Powell next week on Nitro Nights. 
We will indeed. We will indeed. Great American Bash next week on Nitro Nights that you can hear exclusively on the SJP World Media Network. And that is the best place to follow and find me at SJP World Media Network on Twitter and Facebook. On Facebook, there's a page and a group. Just subscribe to all of it. You know, it's the best way of keeping up with the network and all the shows we release. And those shows include modern day wrestling, nostalgia, lots of stuff on the television, you know, looking back at old shows, Mirror in Mind and old BBC crime drama that we look at with our good friend Morty. We've got the Doctor Who pod with Dan Griffin. We've got the Waiting Room with Benny Mack. Uh, so many different programs, so much there, so much great content. It takes too long now for me to list everything that the network has. So go and subscribe to the network on your podcast players. Leave us a review as well. It's hugely, hugely appreciated. And make sure you're following us online on all the social medias at SJP World Media. You can also follow this show at Nitro underscore Nights on Facebook and Twitter. That's at Nitro underscore Nights. And also check out the merch we have available for you. Some brilliant t-shirt designs, mugs, um, mouse mats, phone covers, stickers, jumpers, hoodies, all sorts of stuff. Go and check it out. There's some there that are... Uh, some brilliantly clever designs some there that are done for a humorous standpoint just just awesome stuff it honestly I, I love the stuff that we have out for people to buy and by doing that you really do support the show your your money going into the t-shirts goes a long long way with regards to running the network and producing the shows and for that i thank you hugely danny okay. next week my friend it's going to be a blast, mate. <laughs> See it's going to be a blast. Indeed. And to everyone else, as always, thank you for listening.